the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. On this Friday morning, as shelling continues in Ukraine, I'm joined by the former Allied Supreme Commander of NATO, Admiral James Stavridis, retired United States Navy. Good morning, Admiral. Good morning, Hugh. We're, uh, I think, in for a turbulent few days. Well, give us your, your, let me step back, just tell us what you see and what you think is happening. Well, I'm roughly where I've been for quite a while, which is that I think, unfortunately, there's a 70 percent chance that Putin will go for it, uh, whether he goes full blitzkrieg, go to Kiev, take out the Zelensky government, or whether he instead chooses, shall we say, a more prudent course to stop in the southeast and simply carve another chunk out. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody does. But call it 70 percent. There's a kinetic event over the next two to three weeks, but it could be the next two to three days. I think there's still here's the good news, such as it is. I think there's still a 30 percent chance that we can find a path here where Putin climbs down. We have further diplomatic dialogue. But. I think those chances are, in fact, dwindling you. Uh, Admiral, I, I read very cynically yesterday's Secretary of Defense Austin speech at NATO, followed by Secretary of State Blinken's appearance at the U.N., followed by the president's remarks to reporters en route to Ohio as being a concession by the three of them that they're not going to stop Putin. And they're, they're out to deter not Putin. That's failed. They're deterring bad press for not trying. They are trying. It's just that. There's really no way to deter Putin that isn't kinetic, to use your term, because he doesn't he, he, his calculation is he'll get the gas back eventually. I think that's roughly correct. The latter part of it in terms of um, there's really nothing else we can throw on the barbecue grill at this point that's going to deter Vladimir Putin. At this point, the calculus is entirely his to make. Um, you could make a, an argument, and some have, that, well, we ought to slap sanctions on him now. I think there's some merit to that argument that's growing louder by the day. But um, here you run into the problem the administration has of keeping the alliance on side. And I think that in order to do that, they're going to have to wait until there is kinetic activity, until there is actual tank movement across the border because, you know, we've had this conversation before. Uh, NATO is like a bicycle with 30 different people pedaling the gears. Some of them are pedaling really hard up toward the front of the bike. Some of them are pedaling, you know, kind of in the middle. 
some are pedaling pretty slowly at the back of the bike. So the administration doesn't have the latitude to do precisely what it wants. So it, it takes the next best, which is arm the Ukrainians, threaten the sanctions, keep the alliance together. I think that's the best you can do at this point. Now, Admiral, you're the only guy I know who has more jobs than I do. One of them is at the Carlisle Group. And I assume your phone is ringing and people are saying, what is going to happen to my energy supply in Europe? Because not only do we worry about our Ukrainian allies and the death toll, which was 14,000 people in 2014, we worry about millions of refugees and we worry about the lights going out all over Europe. And I mean literally going out because there's no energy. What do you tell those people that call you up at the Carlisle Group and ask you what's going to happen? The first thing we tell them is energy is a commodity. Prices are going to go up uh, because of turbulence in the market. So expect uh, very high spikes in energy prices over the next uh, few days, few weeks, depending on how things play out. We do also say, let's step back and look at the big picture on European energy. And I think this is slightly underappreciated. Natural gas fuel is, is only about 20% of European uh, energy, 20%. Putin controls about 50% of that natural gas. So his play space is about 10% of overall energy. Now, is that uh, difficult and does that create lots of opportunities for uh, high prices and scarcity situations? Yes. Does it mean the lights are going to go out in Europe? Uh, I don't think so. And already you're seeing natural gas surging. This is good news for the United States from us to the Europeans. The problem is uh, because they didn't listen to us uh, over the last decade, they haven't built the infrastructure necessary to take that natural gas in its liquefied form from the sea. So, Point being, what we say, our house view is turbulence ahead, long term, let's create the infrastructure so that Europe is not dependent. And oh, by the way, uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline turns out to be not a very good deal because it gives Putin control over that 10 percent. I'm going to come back to the pipeline in a second, Admiral. I want to talk to you about an unusual declaration last week. The United States named Qatar as one of our 10 essential non-NATO allies. And so there are 10 countries in the world not in NATO that we consider essential, and we added Qatar to the list. What did you make of that? I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that their natural gas and maybe Israel's are the two largest fields in the world. You are 100% correct. Um, it, it, certainly the precipitating event that, that made that announcement when it did while the emir of Qatar was in the United States, was a realization that natural gas is critically important to resolving this scenario. That's the tactical reason. Strategically, I would point to the fact that Qatar has been uh, a very strong, reliable ally of the United States and the Middle East. Our largest airfields that our military uses are there. Uh, they have stood with us throughout many crises in the Middle East. They're working to improve relationships with Israel. Uh, there's a lot to recommend Gutter outside of this crisis. But yes, that natural gas was a precipitating factor that led to the decision to make them a major non-NATO ally, and I agree with it. 
Now, so my, my question, if, if Nord Stream 1 and 2 can run under the Baltic Sea or over Ukraine to get to Europe, why can't there be a pipeline from Israel and Qatar to Europe? Uh, there can be. And I think that nexus of fields in the eastern Mediterranean, recall that it's not just Israel, but these are fields that Cyprus, an EU member, Greece, an EU member, uh, collectively there's a, a, a good tranche of uh, nations that are working with us, and uh, that could absolutely be an alternative. Those are NATO allies in Israel, which is perhaps the the closest thing to a NATO ally for the United States. Uh, that, I think, is a very uh, promising idea. And, and then, Hugh, you supplement it with uh, Plan B, which is liquefied natural gas. Then you're much more comfortable uh, making sure that your allies don't have to bend the knee to Vladimir Putin. And Plan C is micro-nuclear reactors, which are extremely safe. They're not the old Chernobyl reactors. They're very good. But I, I digress. I want to go to a, an uh, incident. Just to make a, make a quick point on micro-nuclear reactors, what those are also called are the reactors in nuclear submarines, which we are very, very good at and are happy to work with other nations. And, of course, we're doing that now with Australia. And, and it's the future. I wish the left would listen to me. If you care about the climate, you ought to be going in that direction. But now let's talk. It, it's just it's just crazy. Dan Poneman, the former DEPSEC at Energy, and I talk about this all the time. He's an Obama guy. And we yeah. just can't figure it out why Europe can't put this together. So, Admiral, uh, civilian Hugh Hewitt sees a story. A couple of P-8s, which I understand to be an aircraft that does surveillance, uh, get buzzed by some Russian fighters within five feet. It's called unprofessional and dangerous by the Pentagon. All right. Tell me what happens if that goes from unprofessional and dangerous to a crisis where a Russian fighter takes out a PA. You have put your finger on my greatest concern, which is a miscalculation that occurs in the middle of this strategic confrontation that lights off a conflagration. A P-8 is a, a big, lumbering 757-like aircraft um, that is used to hunt submarines and to do broad area surveillance. Very capable, very new, very precise in their uh, air handling abilities. This uh, buzzing incident is high stakes, dangerous, and could uh, be that, that spark that hits a pool of gasoline. And, and let me point to... By the way, we had that happen with the U.S. and China some years ago. You probably remember the first half of the first year of George Bush. Exactly. And uh, we are lucky in the sense that in those years, China didn't have the capacity to really push back. Um, We were able to resolve that diplomatically. Same kind of thing. And and final point here, Hugh, on this. These are young people out there. The, The pilots flying those aircraft, both the Russian fighters and the USP-3s, they're in their 20s. These are, are not mature strategic decision makers. You know, think the volleyball scene in Top Gun out there. So on both sides, the potential for miscalculation is very high. It could be an incident like we're talking about. It could be buzzing a U.S. Army Burke-class destroyer in the Black Sea and a captain who's maybe 36 years old. I was 36, 37 when I took command for the first time of an Arleigh Burke destroyer. 
you see three Russian aircraft headed at your destroyer, you're starting to think about self-defense and lighting them up with fire control, and it could be one of our ships shooting down one of their aircraft. This is how wars start. We need to be very careful. Admiral, if that incident in the Mediterranean had resulted in a downed American aircraft, what would have immediately happened? Not in terms of, there are lots of scenarios, but who decides what when that happens? What signals go off? Well, for starters, that goes right to the White House and the Kremlin. This becomes a problem that the President of the United States and the President of Russia um, are going to be the decision makers. There's no lower level activity but some practical things when that occurs uh, both militaries will go on very high alert Uh, all of their forces uh, globally will go on high alert you'll see massive surveillance directed from both sides particularly at the strategic forces Uh, you will see allies go to high state of alert and again this is what's so dangerous You have a miscalculation that leads to a loss of control of the ladder of escalation. Um, That is how World War I started uh, in an assassination in Sarajevo that leads to mobilization on both sides. Um, And again, these are very young people in these tactical situations. Strategically, it, it could ignite. Quick question, last question, Admiral. If an F-22 is trailing the P-8, and the P-8 goes down, does the F-22 have the authority to shoot down the Russian fighter that did it? If he or she, flying that Joint Strike fighter, feels there is a if they feel there is a threat for further military activity, and I would argue if the Joint Strike fighter, the U.S. aircraft, saw the Russian aircraft, for example, launch a missile, and take out the P-8, yes, that is grounds to engage. If it is a incident and a collision, I think you got to step back and assess the situation more clearly. High stakes. The best guest anyone can have this weekend is Admiral James Stavridis, retired United States Navy, former Allied Supreme Commander of NATO. Thank you, Admiral, for joining me on a Friday for what could be a very long and conflict-ridden weekend. I'll be right back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.